Human Trafficking True Crime covers the exploitation of men, women, and children across the world. Subject matter may not always be suitable for children or those dealing with mental health issues. Listener discretion is advised. If you or someone you know has been trafficked, please contact the Human Trafficking Hotline by texting HELP, H-E-L-P, to 233-733. It's 2004 and you're 16, and you walk out of your grandparents' house, heading towards your sister's place. You want to see about staying the night. Things have been tough, and not just lately, but your whole life. You arrive already upset, but for what remains a mystery? When your sister tells you that you can't stay over, you leave. Maybe more upset than when you arrived. You tell no one where you're going and you simply vanish into thin air, never to be seen or heard from again. Did you choose to walk away from all of the past trauma? Did something or someone alter your life, making it impossible for you to speak your truth? What happened on October 12, 2004? Tonight, we give Samantha Tapp the last word. What's up, Megan? Hello, hello. Oh, man, it's been a minute. Yes, yes, it has. What do you think about that intro? That was really good, actually. A lot of questions posed, some foreshadowing. Anyways, <laughs> how's it going? We're it's like going, finally kind of sort of back on a schedule. Yeah, it's kind of nice. Yes. Well, weekly now, hopefully. <laughs> We're getting there. So I do want to say that I ran across this crazy story today on NPR news oh npr yeah so did you know that there's a mountain in oregon that's called swastika mountain no no it isn't yeah no is that like a popular tourist attraction um well according to this article no but a I want to a young lady, an 81 year old young lady, uh, read about a rescue that took place on this mountain. And she basically was like, I couldn't believe that there was a mountain called Swastika. And so she basically rallied the troops and they're hoping to get the name changed. But yeah. Well, I would hope so. You'd think. <laughs> and the plus side is they, so this Mount Swastika is located near the Umpqua National Forest, which is outside of Eugene, Oregon. Mm-hmm. And uh, apparently it's named after a cattle rancher from the early 1900s. So uh, they're looking to name it Mount Halo after a tribal leader. So I thought wow, that was that pretty cool. that uh, is such a change yeah. from what the mountain is I called. mean, it's kind of rightfully <laughs> rightfully so. Let's, yeah, let's yeah. be real. So kudos to Oregon for that. Even though we're going to probably rag on them a little hard later. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we had a, you know. Plus, well, also. They're, cha- they're making changes. Yes. And we'll give a little shout out, an unpaid ad. We're drinking from my favorite winery that's actually in Oregon. It's in Crow, and it's called Sweet Cheeks. And we are drinking from my private selection which is <laughs> that's why you called it your private shitty selection <laughs> shitty wine it's um, actually not bad it's pretty good i think i think it's great i do but i do know that i am not a wine connoisseur and every so often i do pick out a wine that's kind of what in the hell so you paddle you paddle a little bit pedal you you dabble so um, aside from all of that, if you guys do like what you hear and you want to help us support us, uh, please leave a review on Apple or just give us a follow on Instagram. It's free. Um, let's get into tonight's case. So Samantha Leanne Tapp was born July 25th, 1988. And her life growing up, Megan, was not really um, easy. And I would say it wasn't uh, ideal, air quotes, per se. Um, she and her older sister, Kendall, would basically be taken out of their parents' house. They moved around a lot. They were put in oh. foster care. Yeah. Yeah. So at a young age, 
they've got all that going on. And they did end up living with a school teacher that was local to them. And apparently she fostered for many years and fostered many children. And her name was Miss Van Van Diver, but I've also heard it pronounced Van Diver. So I'm horrible with names. I don't really know. It's probably just where you're at in the state. Yeah, I would definitely say so. Um, and I actually, now that I'm saying that, I realized, I think I said her sister's name wrong. It's Kendale. 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 Yeah. There's a lot of interesting names in this. So yeah, her sister's name is Kendale and they moved around a lot. They ended up living with this school teacher, Miss Van Diver, for a while until she basically was no longer able to care for the girls. And so at that point, the girls were separated. Oh, that's got to be so hard. Right? I would think so, too. And she's 16 when she goes missing. So you know all this is happening mm -hmm. before you're 16. So, like, imagine... You, you're leaving your security blanket behind, essentially. The one person that has been a constant solid in your life is now separated from you. Right. That's yeah. exactly what I was thinking when I was like reading and writing for this, this episode. Like you're one link to your past, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyways. Um, so the girls, one goes to live with. They, they basically go to live with separate family members. So throughout this whole foster experience, they, they had maintained relationships with their family. I am unsure if it's mom's side of the family or dad's side of the family, but they did have relationships with aunts and uncles and grandparents. So um, Kendale would go and stay with their grandparents' house, and Samantha went to go live with her aunt. And... The girls ended up later being reconnected at some point, and they both were staying at the grandparents' house in Burleson. Okay. So they're in Burleson, Texas. And if you don't know, Burleson is roughly uh, 50 minutes. It's about 46 miles west, southwest of downtown Dallas. Mm -hmm. Um or for our listeners that are across the pond, that's 74 kilometers. And yes, I looked that up because I do not know that. Um, but if you're basically, if you're looking at a map, Burleson will sit more to the west, but on the south side of Dallas and on the Fort Worth Metroplex mm -hmm. side of the map, if you will. Mm -hmm. So leading up to her disappearance, Samantha, and I have to laugh at this because... I may or may not have done something similar. Uh, Samantha started to get into trouble and she, before she went missing, she ended up on probation. Oh no. Because she got busted for taking a joyride in her grandparents' <laughs> car. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I couldn't imagine. Mm -mm. You never did that. No, nope. No, no, no. No, but you did try to sneak out one time, right? I did. Yeah. Yeah, my mom found out about that um, from listening to the podcast. <laughs> and she revisited the conversation. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, it was Sorry. Great. It was not fine. Not on you. <laughs> she was like, I knew. Of course. But then we just had to revisit it and be like, you were so stupid. And I was like, yeah, probably. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> you live and learn. And... You're, I, I guarantee you, your mom could not honestly look any of us in the straight face and say she's never done anything remotely oh, she was inappropriate or wrong. She was worse. I say that to my mom all the time. So, um, so the girls are now living in Burleson. Samantha ends up on probation because she is busted joyriding in the car. And I learned about this particular case from the podcast missing with Tim and Lance. Um, and they have a guest on there who is close to the case. Uh, he is connected to Kendale um, and he actually works with a private eye. And so they've started looking into this case and that's how I first heard about it. And he mentioned on there that it might've been the ants car, but either way, I'm unclear on what the exact situation was on the car, but either way, like, mm -hmm. 
you got regardless you got busted for, she took a joyride <laughs> yeah and you got you got on probation so <laughs> by october of 2004 samantha tapp is 16 and she's living at home in burleson texas with her family with her grandparents excuse me well, i guess they are her family <laughs> uh kendale has moved out at this point on her own um she's the older sister oh, i'm not sure oh, okay. how much older yeah she's older but she's now moved out on her own with her boyfriend at the time hmm. and so samantha's story starts on october 12 2004 samantha walks out of the grandparents house she makes her way to kendall's home kendale's home excuse me um, and Kendale remembers that Samantha was upset, but she doesn't recall all these years later why. Uh, she said that Samantha wanted to stay the night and she ended up ultimately telling her no. And Samantha left the house and that would be the last time that Kendale would ever see Samantha. Okay. Yeah. So Kendale would later state that she was under the assumption that Samantha was either going to go back to the grandparents' house or somewhere else, like a friend's, to cool off. Um, there wasn't much... I guess I should say Kendall also mentioned that Samantha had run away before. Mm. And sometimes she said that sometimes it was only for a few hours. Um, there were a couple times that it was, or other times that it was for a few days, but that Samantha always would reach out to her. Right. Uh, cause they had a close relationship. Like mm -hmm. you and I are saying like, that's yeah. It's her lifeline. Yeah. And I, I can see the situation where you're mad about whatever and you go over to your sisters to escape, whatever it is which were unclear on what exactly she was upset about because it's been many years later and her sister just doesn't remember. But Which is odd to me. I don't know. It is. It is. Well, yeah, we'll circle back okay. to that. But so her sister, Samantha leaves for whatever reason. She goes over to her sister's house and she's already upset. I'm wondering if she got even more upset at the fact that her sister is like, no. Mm -hmm. And I wonder why the sister said no. What, did you say no because maybe you live in a small apartment and there really was nowhere to, you know, I can get it. Like when you first move out on your own, you don't got a couch. It's just a bed. Like where are you going <laughs> to sleep? Bed on the floor. Right. And you're moving out with like your boyfriend. Like I can see how you wouldn't want your little sister, but maybe from her perspective, she really felt, upset by that mm -hmm. you're you're supposed to be my lifeline right. and i'm in a situation whether you think it's a big deal or not um so i find that interesting um but because she had run away before kendall didn't think much of it when she hadn't heard from her sister in a few days and then at some point they decided to file a missing persons report. And at that time she was listed as missing endangered runaway. And she's actually still classified as that today. Um, but I don't know from when she last saw her on October 12th to when they actually filed the missing persons report. Mm -hmm. I cannot find that. There's like no information on this case. Like, wow. It's basically been a few articles and this one podcast that I was listening to on this update that they just started looking into it. So what we do know from Kendall and her speaking with these guys is that sometime after Samantha went missing, they they discovered there were some unexplained cigarette butts in the backyard of the grandparents' home and the furniture on their patio had been moved, like rearranged. Okay. And so the theory is that Samantha may have gone back to the grandparents' house with maybe some friends when she knew the grandparents wouldn't be home. So then the family reports this to the police and they followed up to the family with, you should just change your locks. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. This is in our backyard, Megan. 
But of course she's deemed a runaway, right? She's deemed an endangered endangered runaway. runaway. I would really like to know what, like, yeah, investigate the difference. I was just about to ask, like, okay, what's the difference between a runaway and an endangered runaway? I don't know. We need to, we need to look that up for sure. Are you on it? I'm on it. (laughs) A child under the age of 18 who is missing or on her own accord and whose whereabouts are unknown to their family. That's what? Endangered missing. runaway. So that's basically implying that she chose to walk away. Mm-hmm. Okay. The other one obviously means they just... They're just runaways. I just feel like those... I feel like they're interchangeable. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. It's interesting. So do you want to give a recap, Megan? Yes, I Have you been listening? I have been listening. Okay, so Samantha, her and her sister, they've had a rough childhood. Um, They were bounced around to foster homes, uh, eventually ended up back with their parents separated. Uh, Samantha was living with her aunt and then her her sister was living with the grandparents. Um, somewhere along the line, they ended up back at their grandparents, both of them. Kendall's older sister, she moves out, moves in with her boyfriend. Jasmine. Who's Jasmine? I mean, Jasmine. Why did I say Jasmine? (laughs) Can I call her Sam? You have been doing You did amazing. And then you're like, Jasmine. I'm like, wait a minute. I messed Um, up thing. I don't know why. I just wanted to call her Jasmine. Everything I've... Everything I've read said Samantha. But I I don't know. I mean, it's not my name. If you want to call her Sam, go for it. I don't know what she went by. I don't... Everything I've read just said Samantha, but maybe she went by Sam. All right. Uh, Sam's easier for me. Go for it. So Sam then... It's your world. We're just living it, Megan. Apparently, she has an argument of some sort somewhere, gets upset, does something, ends up at her sister's house, apartment, wherever she lives, and asks to stay over, and her sister says no, and she ends up leaving, and that's the last we see of her, and that was on October 12th of 2004. Gold star for you. (laughs) See, I'm listening. Oh, and this is all happening in Burleson, Texas. (laughs) Which is crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty close to home. My I friend's mean, actually not... getting married there. So, oh. Um, oh. Yeah. Your friend, friend. Your friend that, the bride that we were just mm-hmm. talking about. Yes. Yep. She's getting married there. That's awesome. Learning the bridal industry. She's not having a great time, but she'll figure it out. <laughs> oh. There's so many things. So, okay. After years of Kendall not knowing what happened to Samantha, she obviously, time goes on, you get older, and she starts wondering. So she starts doing research to try to find her sister. Um, And through the course of all of this, she ends up putting in a FOIA request. And I know we've talked about this before, Megan, but for those of our listeners that don't know, a FOIA request is the Freedom of Information Act where anyone can submit records, Mm -hmm. um, record requests. So by early 2021, she was given the Texas Attorney General's report on the case, but she did not receive any of the Burleson Police Department's case files regarding her sister. Hmm. So that was super interesting to me when I read that, because mind you guys, this, this case has gotten zero to little like media coverage at all. And they just got this FOIA request in 2021 and they don't really know what happened to her sister. And there's like the attorney generals involved. Like that's just interesting to me. So she does have a PI working on the case and from the podcast missing on the episode that they did, the PI Lou Barry is his name. He's on there and he's talking about the case and 
he discovers that the AG's been involved in Samantha's case since 2012 to 2015, but that it appears to be off and on. So I don't really know what he means when he says it appears to be off and on. Or if he's just been in it since the start and sometimes writes his name on the paper and sometimes doesn't. Wait, who's writing their name on a paper? The AG. Oh. Is that how that works? I, th- I, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I don't know how it works either, but I would just think if it's, I guess it's just an anomaly. It's interesting that it's, maybe anomaly is not the right word, but either way. It's, it's a conspiracy. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I would say it's just, I don't, I would like to understand why they would be on a case off and on, or if he just, maybe the mm-hmm. PI just misspoke. Um, but either way, from this evidence, the Blueberry, the PI, found that Samantha contacted one of her aunts by phone and might have possibly visited another aunt after she was last seen at Kendale's house on October 12th. Oh. But did not provide what those dates were. So we're kind of not, we don't know that yet. Which I get because if they're, you know, if he's a true PI, he wants to make sure that he keeps information that might be important close to the vest, if you will. Uh, from the FOIA request, they found that on February 17th, 2011, Samantha Tapp's name was run by either the Columbia County Sheriff's Office or the St. Helens Police Department in Oregon. And I looked on their website and it looks like two in the one, like two in one. It looks like the same, like, you know how we have a county but also a county and a city that's named the same. Yeah, yeah. So I'm wondering if it's, you know, or like earlier when you were looking up the Miami-Dade police, Mm -hmm. like there's multiple. like there's three of them. Right, (laughs) so I don't think they know for sure, but it's one of the two. Um, But either the Columbia County Sheriff's Office or the St. Helens Police Department in Oregon ran... Samantha's name in their system and Hmm. when the PI goes to find out and asks about it Oregon doesn't have records that go back that far and they can't determine why her name was run what yeah you would think our government would maybe pay for unlimited data storage I'm just saying it's our safety (laughs) That doesn't make any sense. Right. But like, you know how you have to pay for like storage, like yeah. data. Storage? So I'm just, I'm just Why saying, couldn't they do our just tax un- dollars not covered unlimited data? What do they say? Are you at at Five years, <laughs> 10 years? What do they, how do they put a cap on that? Or if it's not a cap, what do you, cla- like, right. I, I have so many questions. I feel like all information that a law enforcement office gathers is impertinent information at one point in time or another. A hundred percent agreed. <laughs> and you know what I was thinking? Hmm. What this reminds me of? What if like Roxanne Paltoff, if you guys have been listening, you remember mm-hmm. we talked about that case. What if like her, they found that her ID was in the, what if they never had found that out? You know, right. That her records were in there, like, and they just threw the ID away and then the records Mm -hmm. ended up getting deleted. Like how fortunate her mother is. Yeah. To get that information. Isn't that crazy? That's insane to me. I, (laughs) yeah. So you can pull the record, but they have no record of the record at the place that it was recorded recorded right so (laughs) if the attorney general has the information that her name was pulled you would think they would have pulled the data as to why at that time because they would they obviously had it if it's in your report Mm -hmm. so i do wonder if maybe that's part of a redaction from the foia request right because they can redact information and right that might be uh, that's a good point too. I would hope that it's that point and not just 
I know. We don't keep records that long. <laughs> All well, right, cool. <laughs> unfortunately, in 2013, her birth name, Samantha Lee Tapp, was run by customs agents here in the DFW airport, DFW International Airport. But because it was <sighs> roughly six or seven years later, the customs reports apparently don't show that her name was run in their database. My God. Yeah. And her sister, Kendall, states that she knows Samantha did not have a passport at the time of her disappearance. My question, though, is maybe she got one after. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. According to the private investigator, Lou Barry, the attorney general, attorney general information that was given in the FOIA request shows that Samantha's name has been run in a lot of different places. Melbourne, really? Melbourne, Florida, St. Helens Police in Oregon, Minnesota, and possibly Wisconsin. And wow. we know of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. Dallas-Fort Worth International Airport. Oh, that's kind of really creepy. Yeah, um, and I know. That was what really piqued my interest in this case. This is the first one that kind of has like a quote-unquote paper trail. Right. Like, that's kind of crazy. Yeah, she does. But there's there's a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, we'll, we can get into all the theories, but yeah, there's just, I have a lot of questions. Um, and at the time of the recording on the podcast missing the PI Lou Berry, this was in early 2021. Like it was like February, March when they did this podcast, I believe. Um, don't quote me if I'm wrong. I believe at that time they had information on some of these that they didn't have the records, but then they were still waiting, I think, to hear back from some of the other locations so maybe there's hope that he doesn't keep hitting roadblocks <laughs> what he did find though was that samantha allegedly at one point made contact with an aunt and uncle asking to come live with them uh apparently they agreed but they were unable to pick her up and it was stated in the records that she was in cleborn texas at the time which isn't far from Burleson. It's Mm-mm. like, what, 20 minutes, maybe? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, again, as the story is being told, she called back later, uh, how much later, I'm unsure, saying that she met a man and was going to Melbourne, Florida. Oh, which, later, the aunt and uncle would apparently get a phone call from a phone number in Melbourne that was registered to Melbourne, Florida, and according to the PI on this this episode, uh, it matches with a name that was mentioned in, I guess, these requests and mentioned to him. Whoa. But he is saying that the police are coming back saying that it's a spoof number. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sure. Let's believe the police now. Like, yes. Yeah, that is funny. I would agree with that. But we do, we do back the blue. But Mm -hmm. yes, in in these certain situations, you guys sometimes you just y'all gotta be stepping your game up. Like, I know some of you are listening to true crime. Like, I know some of them listen. I know that. Yeah. In 2015, the Burleson Police Department uh, actually called the Texas Attorney. attorney the texas attorney generals to investigate classifying samantha actually as a fugitive because she was on probation what when she went missing remember she took the car for a joyride so their thought was well if we classify her as a fugitive we might be able to flush her out oh my god which i like it i like the thought two-sided coin also it's totally a two-sided coin. Like, I get where you're going with that, but if she did choose to walk away and and not Now you're want, just flushing her out. Yeah, now you're freaking her out because she thinks she's a fugitive. Like, um, but they actually, nothing came from that. They tried and it didn't go anywhere. The attorney general, like, it 
they didn't go anywhere. So that's a good thing. Um, now we are kind of at the end. So I've got a couple theories, three actually, which I think you probably will fall in line with them. Mine are either, I think she was either abducted, crime of opportunity, leaving her sister's house and was possibly murdered. Um, or she did maybe choose to run away and either something happened to her and she mm-hmm. fell victim to a crime or she's out there living her life, doing whatever she wants, or she could potentially be trafficked. Obviously yeah. that is going to be an option because we're talking about human yeah. trafficking. So what are your theories? And I'll kind of just bounce my theories off of what okay. you're saying. So I have a potential timeline of everything. I know okay. we don't actually have dates for right, everything, right. but I, I have a potential timeline. I feel like after she left Kendall's house, she decided, okay, I'm going to do my regular routine and I'm just going to disappear for a few days. She disappears for those few days and then she calls her aunt and uncle. She's like, hey, I need a place to stay. I can't go back to wherever I was. And they're like, sure, yeah, of course. Can't pick her up, though. Then the next call comes. I met somebody and we're going to Melbourne. And then that's the last that we see of her. I think at some point, that guy that she was with, not a great dude, obviously, probably older than her, takes her to DFW Airport. And that's where her name starts getting run through all of those police places. So I think that she definitely was trafficked. I do. Like, there's, it's just too many, there's too many things that like, and her name's being run. That's like, that's what gets me. Right. Yeah. That, okay. The name, same. When I first was listening to this podcast, I listened to them in general, right? I listened to a bunch of true crime and this one played one day. And honestly, what peaked me was the Burleson, Texas. Oh, what? What? That's mm-hmm. like stones throw away. So... I was listening to it, honestly, not thinking just because my passion's always been just missing people. It's very intriguing to me. How does someone just vanish? Like, I don't understand. So obviously I gravitate towards it. It's a missing person. I'm interested because it's in our backyard. And when they start saying that her name was run, they found all this stuff out through a FOIA request. I'm like, customs, doesn't that mean that you're coming from international, like, whatever I think so yeah anytime I've ever gone through customs I've been coming from somewhere international Mm -hmm. so if her name was being run by customs I'm led to believe that she was coming it could be either from anywhere yeah so can we not have the attorney general get on Interpol and see if any time from when she we know that the date that they ran her number, her name in at DFW International Airport in 2013. So can we go back from 2013 to, I don't know, pick a date and check with Interpol to see if her name was run on customs going in to, to another country? country? Yeah. Um, I think that would be interesting to know. Um, also, I just thought of this too she was 16 when she disappeared more than likely she did not have a driver's license well that is true we know she stole the car so she obviously has a level of knowing how to drive um i i don't know i've not heard anything about whether or not she had a driver's license or not but what also interested me about this case was that they found the cigarette butts and the furniture being mm-hmm. rearranged um, after some time after she went missing. I thought a theory could be that maybe she did go somewhere for the night, the next couple of days, cooled off, ended up going back to her grandparents' house when she knew no one was going to be there. And did she grab her birth certificate? Did she grab right. her social security card? Does anyone have possession of those things? Right, exactly. Because 
even though her sister Kendale states that she didn't have a passport when she went missing, which is probably an accurate statement. I would imagine her sister would know that, that if she walked away with those other items, she would easily be able to obtain one. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's interesting, but the other, the other side of that coin, Megan too, is could her identity have possibly been stolen at some point? Yeah. I mean, I was also thinking about that, but I'm like, how do you run a name through a system? So like, let's say they, they got her, like she somehow ended up in police custody at some point. Right. If she doesn't have a driver's license, are they just, how are they fingerprints? How are, how is her name getting run through all of these things? They don't say, but I would imagine a, a driver's license or if she's giving them a name, maybe right. she's homeless. Maybe she's homeless and doesn't have anything and they're just running her name because they, maybe they suspect she's up to, you know, maybe yeah. I, I can't, that doesn't really explain the DFW international airport situation. No. But if we're talking about the Oregon situation or the other one, yeah, we don't know. Was she just a person that maybe didn't have a license and they just ran her name, but they didn't see there's no priors. She doesn't have any warrants. Okay. Well, we can't, you can't do anything. She didn't do anything wrong. So they let her go. You know what I mean? Like, have you ever been, you, you know, like, no, have you never had someone? So like homeless people don't always have their driver's license. Right. right? So yeah. if, so you just take them at their word. This is my name. I mean, <laughs> I guess, yeah. I know in the area that I have gone and done actual street outreach, the officers very much knew a majority of the homeless people that they visited. Um, there obviously would be ones they didn't, but they really tried to form relationships with them. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, in one aspect, sure, but in the other, there's few of them and unfortunately many of the others. So right. I guess, yeah, you would have to take them at their face value. Yeah. If you can't, aren't catching them in a crime, they can't do anything and they give them a name of mm -hmm. John Doe or whatever the name may be. I, it's a good question. <laughs> that would be my answer though. I thought yeah, that, that was really fair. an answer. <laughs> so it's just the names, like the names running through just really sticks with me. I don't know why. Yeah, by multiple departments. And the the customs one is what really set me over. At mm. first, I'm thinking, okay, fine. She, you know, walked away or ran away or possibly someone is using her identity. But more so is that someone was using her identity. But when I read and they were talking about the customs, I'm, I just... So that means she had to have left the country at some point to be coming back into the country mm -hmm. to be scanned by customs. It, does the report not say like, cause I'm pretty sure every time I've come back in from anywhere out of the country, I've had to declare where I've been, how long I've been there. So yeah. I wonder if the FOIA request is just not... It's providing all that information yeah. there. They've redacted some of that or if the PI is not releasing all of that. But, but I'm with you. The, the name name running really is is probably top on my list. I do think there could be a possibility that she just was, that was it. For whatever mm -hmm. reason in that moment, Kendale saying no and whatever she was upset about prior and you're also dealing with a 16 year old that is dealing with Everything. a mountain of past trauma similar yeah. to other cases that we've covered mm -hmm. and maybe she just snapped and was like I'm done peace out I want nothing to do with you I'm a badass mamma jamma and I can do this on my own and maybe she doesn't even realize that she's a missing person I do think that's a possibility, but I, I don't also, necessarily lean that right. way. I'm also not sure what kind of argument can happen between sisters that 
if you did run away, would cause you to not ever reach out to her, ever? For me, I wouldn't be able to do that. Right. But everyone is different. So, I mean, and also we don't know what kind of life growing up they had. Was that argument about? Because that would, I think that would blow the this argument whole thing. that she was uh, well, so she was upset when she showed up right. at the house. Whatever, but, but Kendale doesn't remember because she was never interviewed by police. She's also young adult at that point mm-hmm. in her life. Um, I do question that a little bit, but also everybody remembers things right. in different scenarios. Um, you know what I mean? Like they, yeah. She, she also didn't know that, that that was going to be the last time that she would right. see her sister. And so. I can't even imagine what type of secondhand trauma mm-hmm. that has got to be to know that, that unfortunately, and I mean no disrespect by this, but unfortunately the last things that you say to your sister is, no, you can't stay here. And I personally gone. would live with that regret. And I can't even imagine what that might feel like because I know how I would feel about that. So that is unfortunate. I, I do have some questions around the foster mother. Okay. I know that's kind of maybe the teacher out in left field. Yeah. Um, I'd like to just know more about her backstory. Um, I'm not, I am not going down the conspiracy rabbit hole, but we do know that foster care and CPS is not mm-hmm. the golden goose. Yeah, and why'd they have to leave? Well, I guess they... Well, they, they left, I think, because, because she was getting older. Yeah, but where I'm going with that is I'm, I'm just curious, like, did maybe she go back to that lady's house? Mm. Did that lady maybe assist her? Um, or, or was... Or was there, unfortunately, something more sinister and Samantha's trying to recover from that and maybe she met someone through there? You know what I mean? I Right. There's a lot of open-ended I'm not... That isn't... Theories. Right. I, but I will say the Miss Van Diver, I'm sure, is probably a very nice woman and probably was, you know, a saint to a lot of people. And I just have to play devil's advocate because I well, just don't just like the do foster care system. More police work right. in this instance. Right. And, right. I, but I, like I said, I just have to play devil's advocate because yeah, yeah. we know the CPS and foster <laughs> care system has a lot of faults. But I will say I do know a lot of good people that foster and mm-hmm. that is amazing. So there are, I do know there are good people out there, but with good comes bad. So we have to, Look at all angles. Exactly, yeah. But I, my main thing is the... She was trafficked. I, I'm not even 100% sold on that she was trafficked. I would say I'm, I'm like 87% at that point. Mm-hmm. I have questions about whether or not she actually was seen by the aunt and uncle. It does their story add up. What's that family dynamic like? Mm-hmm. Um, so I have some questions around that. I have questions around the, the name being scanned and the more so the customs. Can we find out if, mm-hmm. can we find out where she was going, where she was? Yeah. But, and why only scanned once? Well, because you're you're only scanned when you're coming back in. That's why I'm saying it would be oh, interesting yeah, to be. find out if we could. I think it's called. I think it's part of like Interpol where they can run names and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I I would imagine it's countries that opt in to be part of the global alliance, if you will. Um, <laughs> so. I just wonder if can we pull a report uh, or see if let's just say from the last time that she was seen by Ken Dale on October 12th, 2004 to the time that 
her name was run by customs in 2013. So let's run a report. 2004, October 2004 to December 31st, 2013 in Interpol was her name run through customs mm-hmm. at any country? Did she come into France? Did she come into Italy? Did she go into Europe? Did she go into Barbados? Where did she end up? I just wonder. It's an yeah. avenue I feel like they should look at. Mm-hmm. Uh, this PI got the case information. They got the FOIA request in early 2021. So they're still, I mean, I know that's, been a little bit over a year ago but you have to imagine it's probably a lot to go through too i'm sure imagine like like we talked about with jennifer cassie the mm-hmm. amount of just paperwork <laughs> i feel like that would be exciting and then kind of daunting for a really yeah, long time it'd be a lot. and it's like necessary but useless paperwork that you're just reading. Through. It makes me think of like building a puzzle. <laughs> like you yeah. just work What's... so hard and then you get one piece and you're like, yay. And then you know what I mean? You just yeah, work you little just start over by again. little <laughs> by little. And then your dog comes along and, and eats the pieces. <laughs> Thanks, Charlie. <laughs> and then you have a, you never have a finished puzzle. Well, I don't have any pets, so in my case, I I do finish the puzzle. But it is a it is a missing it is a puzzle of a missing person, and that's what I mean by how daunting you know going through Jennifer Kessie's case, going through Samantha mm-hmm. Tat's case, going through any case that we talk about. If you're taking that Roxanne Paltov, if you're yeah. taking that information on yourself, one, you're already at a major learning curve because you're not trained detective. You're looking like Roxanne's sister for what she can find that looks odd to her. Mm -hmm. Um, But then you get in, you know, you get PIs that come in and investigators and they have to sift through all this information. And I feel like it would be a lot of reading that of information that you don't understand how it's valuable until it becomes valuable. And it would be very just blase qua until that puzzle piece fits and then the the picture makes sense. Yeah. So it's kind of where we're at with Samantha's story. Um, I will say that one of her close friends was quoted as saying that she was fun, loved to laugh And she loved to make other people smile. She walked around everywhere. She preferred to be outside and that she enjoyed auto racing. And Kendall mentioned that she likes to think of her sister simply wanting to get away from their traumatic childhood and start a new life. She said that she wishes she could talk to her sister today and she wants her to know that she loves her and she's not in trouble if she thinks she's in trouble and that she wants her to come home. She wants to have her in her life. Oh, I know. That was kind of sad. Isn't it? I mean, it's like your person. Yeah. The one that you did life with <laughs> who like shared your trauma with you. Right. Mm. Sad. So, if you guys have made it this far, you're pretty, pretty big troopers. Megan, you have any final, final words? Uh, just make sure to uh, rate us, uh, leave us a review if you want. Uh, Spotify is a pretty good place. We'll maybe do some polls or some question asking here. So yeah, if you guys have any questions, you can um, submit those on Spotify and you can submit your case suggestions too. We've actually gotten a few. Somebody Mm -hmm. actually called us Megan on (laughs) the anchor thing, which I was completely like, wait, what the hell is this? (laughs) Tripped me out at first. I did. Well, I did. I do now. (laughs) However, major thank you to whoever that was. However, 
Can you send me the name of the case that you were talking about? You never actually mentioned the case. Or if you did, <laughs> it got cut off. Or user error. I don't know what I'm doing on the app. So either submit that to us at info at lastword.com or you can send us a message on Instagram or you can try calling us on the little doodaddy <laughs> thing with Anchor. So Samantha Lee and Tap has been missing since October 12, 2004 from Burleson, Texas. She is an endangered runaway. She's female, white, and she is 5'4", 120 pounds. Anyone with information is asked to call the Burleson Police Department at 817-426-9910. Now it's time for our weekly spotlights. Uh, first, we have Crystal Chanel Anderson. She has been missing since August 20th, 2022 from Wagner, South Carolina. She is a 30-year-old African-American female, 5'1", 120 pounds with black hair and green eyes. Anyone with information is asked to call the Ikean County Sheriff's Office at 803-642-1761. Next, we have George Braille Morales. He also goes by JoJo, and he has been missing since August 14th, 2016 from Homestead, Florida. He is a six-year-old Hispanic male with brown hair and brown eyes, and he was 50 pounds when he disappeared. It is believed that he was taken by his father, and anyone with information is asked to call the Miami-Dade Police Department at 305-876-7373. And last, we have Seth Berryhill. He has been missing since May 10th, 2022, from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. He's a 23-year-old male, Native American, with black hair and brown eyes, and anyone with information is asked to call the Oklahoma City Police Department at 405-297-1007. And his case number is 2234767. Just want to say thanks again for listening and supporting Last Word in Human Trafficking True Crime. Don't forget to be loud, bold, and out there around this topic. Stay vigilant, be aware, and remember what the world needs now is love and not hate. Mm-hmm.